Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ott. Our fall 2020 season is in full swing. Earlier this week, we sent out an email campaign sharing with you what is happening with the IWM podcast this fall. If, for some reason, you haven't received it, look for the link to that email newsletter in the show notes. One of the highlights of our current season is a very special video produced by Dr. Anne Hamill. Dr. Hamill, whom many of you know, is a psychologist who serves on the ISC support team for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. In this video, Dr. Anne shares three steps every missionary and every missionary family can use to cope with the challenges around them. Of course, in the year of the global pandemic, this is very relevant. You can find the link to the entire video published on our website in the show notes. Alongside with the three practical steps, Dr. Hamill shares stories of missionaries who face challenges this year. In this podcast episode, friends, I decided to share with you the audio version of Dr. Ann's talk. And without any further ado, let's hear her talk right away. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org slash podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Hello, it's a pleasure to be with you again today. As the psychologist with the Missionary Care Team, or the International Service Employee Support Team of the General Conference, my focus is on the emotional health of missionaries and missionary families. My goal is to support you as you deal with the various challenges and hardships that are an inherent part of mission service. This year has been a particularly challenging year. As we look at how to deal with these challenges, I want us to go to first to scriptures. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. The Bible is also full of precious promises that we can claim as we are dealing with the various challenges that we face as we serve the Lord. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. And then, Psalms 46, verse 1, For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. As Christians, as missionaries, we love to claim these promises, and we often do, and we should. We teach our children to claim these promises. But the Bible also teaches us that we can expect trials and tribulations as we serve the Lord, trials and tribulations as we go through life. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, but to be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. First Peter 4, 12 says that we're not to be surprised at the painful trials that we suffer, as if some strange thing has happened to us. But, it goes on to say, but we are to rejoice 
that we are able to participate in the sufferings of Christ. One of my favorite texts in dealing with challenges and hardships in life is 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. The text says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Today, I want to explore with you how we can make the truths of Scripture a reality in our own lives. I want to look at how we can face the challenges and hardships of life with strength and resiliency. And I propose that there are three steps that we can take. The first step is simply accepting the reality that life is difficult. We live in a time in the history of our world where many people have come to expect a good life. They become intolerant of hardships and challenges. When people marry, they expect to live happily ever after. When people graduate from school, they expect to live happily ever after, to have good things in life. And when things don't go as they should, people are often often angry. They look for someone to blame. In the case with the pandemic, people want to blame someone. They blame China. They blame the United Nations. They blame President Trump. We want to blame someone when bad things happen to us. Missionaries, on the other hand, have an understanding that when they accept a call to mission service, that there will be challenges and there will be hardships. You are going, you are serving in places in the world where there are challenges and hardships. Three of the Gospels quote Jesus as saying, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's our expectation as missionaries. In 1978, Scott Peck, an American psychiatrist, wrote a best-selling book entitled The Road Less Traveled. The very first sentence in the book is, Life is Difficult. The book resonated with many people. It sold over 10 million copies worldwide. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list for over 10 years, and it's been translated into 23 languages. The book resonated because in spite of the fact that we want to believe that life is good and we deserve a good life, we all know deep inside that life is difficult. Peck says that this is one of a great truth, one of the greatest truths. And he says that once we accept that life is difficult, then we're able to transcend it. We're able to face the challenges of life and to move beyond them. Once we've accepted the challenges of life, the next step is to put them in perspective. Reframe them within a broader context. Look around you and before you to see where they fit. An example of this is temperature. Um, 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 degrees Celsius would be considered cold in Thailand or Cameroon or Malawi. But in Michigan, it would be considered warm in January. In fact, it would even be considered a heat wave. So it all depends on the temperature that you're surrounded by, the temperature that you're used to. So we need to put things in perspective. How do the challenges that you are facing fit with what's around you. And the third step 
is to identify and leverage your resources. This past uh, August, I was asked to do the plenary address to the faculty of Andrews University as they were preparing to open the school year in the fall. Opening school in the midst of a global pandemic involves many challenges. Many of the faculty were afraid. They were afraid of the spread of the virus once students were returned. Many were afraid of the challenges of teaching in a socially distant context, whether that's virtually or an in-person classroom setting. As I talked with the faculty, the first thing we did was assess what we were experiencing as a university community. What was happening? I asked them to reflect on their own personal lives, what they were experiencing, what their families were experiencing. We looked at what was happening in the community. What were the rates of infection? I also shared with them what was happening in my life and in my family's life. Back in April, my husband's identical twin brother contracted COVID-19 and he almost died. This was stressful to our family and to the community. I've interacted with many of you over the past several months as you've faced challenges related to the pandemic. I was in communication with Wilson and Danica Thomas back in March as they were struggling with whether or not they should leave or stay. I first met Wilson and Danica at Mission Institute here at Andrews in 2017. Wilson is the medical director of Malamulu Adventist Hospital. Malamulu is our oldest Adventist hospital in Africa. I wrote an article for the review in March where I related their story. Let me read what Donica said in her own words. Wilson and I have been called to medical missions. In spite of the risk in staying, we can't leave now. This is our time to fight. Am I afraid? Absolutely. Am I stretched too thin? Probably. But maybe this is my calling. I have to trust that God will provide the way forward through these uncertain times. Wilson and Danica made the decision to say to stay. She went on to say, I am so proud of the other doctors and medical workers on our team who are also choosing to stay. We are blessed to have Dr. Jillian Seaton here with us at this time. She served in Liberia during the Ebola crisis and chose to stay rather than leave. She has become a beacon of light to all of us as we come together now to make plans for what is to come. I first met Dr. Seaton in Nairobi in 2014. She was on her way to Liberia at that time. She did choose to stay during the Ebola crisis, and she was an enormous help and inspiration to the staff at Malamulu as they made the decision to stay. I've interacted closely with another missionary family over the past several months as well. I first met Dr. Manuel Bellasilo and his dear wife, Elma, at Mission Institute in Thailand in 2013. We had a large Mission Institute at that time. The Bellasilos were experienced missionaries among the group. They had already served for many years at Yuka Adventist Hospital in Zambia, and Kanye Adventist Hospital in Botswana, and Shear Memorial Hospital in Nepal. And at, the, at that time, in 2013, they were on their way to serve in Cameroon. Back in May, Dr. Bellasulo came down with malaria. Now, malaria is very common in many parts of the world where many of you are serving. 
He treated the malaria and was back at work within a short time. At the end of May, he got malaria again. He continued to be sick, and in the beginning of June, he tested positive for COVID-19. He was admitted to the hospital, and his condition continued to worsen. He was transferred to a hospital in the capital city and was put on a ventilator. On June 17, Dr. Belasilo passed away. Dr. Belasilo is our first missionary in active service to die of COVID-19. It's been a terrible loss for all of us as a community of faith, and it's been a terrible loss for the family. The day after Dr. Belasilo was buried, his dear wife, Elma, also tested positive for COVID-19. She was also admitted to the hospital. Fortunately, our dear Elma is back in the Philippines at this time with her three children. Their daughters, Joy and Pham, are both physicians, and their son, LJ, is a medical technologist. On August 16, we were able to have an online virtual funeral for Dr. Belasilo. Let me read the statement the children wrote related to their father. With aching hearts, we will continue our father's legacy by serving others and working hard in each of our respective fields. And most importantly, we will make God our partner in every decision and action we do until we are reunited with our father on that resurrection morning. The Bellasilo family has a history of facing hardships and trials with strength and resiliency. And they're continuing to do that today. My prayer is that none of you will have to experience or go through what they've gone through. Nonetheless, we know that it could happen. We live in a world where difficult things happen. As you can see from the two stories that I've just shared, this past year has been difficult. It's been difficult for many of you that have been serving. Life is difficult. And the first step in transcending the, the challenges that we face is accepting them as a part of life in a fallen world. The second step is to put them in perspective, reframe them within a broader context. Take, for example, Andrews University. It doesn't exist in isolation. It's a part of a wider community. It was important for us to look at what was happening in the community around us. What were the rates of infection? How many people were being hospitalized? What were the challenges that others were facing? Andrews is located in the southwestern corner of Michigan. It wasn't the only school or the only university in Michigan trying to open in the midst of a global pandemic. We could learn from what they were doing. It's also important to look around us and see what's happening in the rest of the world. But most importantly, we need to stand back and look at our problems from God's perspective. How does He see what's happening? The scriptures tells us that He knows the number of hairs on our head, but He also holds the world, the universe, in His hands. The smallest things are important to the Lord, but He understands it all. Earlier, I showed you a picture of Dr. Jillian Seaton setting up hand-washing stations throughout Malamulu Hospital. Water is something that we take for granted until we don't have it. When I lived in Burundi, there was a period of time 
of about 10 months when the water would go off every morning at 5 a.m. and it wouldn't come on again until 10 p.m. So at 10 p.m., I would have to turn the water on and fill our bathtub with water. And then the, I would use that water the next day for cooking, for washing dishes, for cleaning, for flushing the toilet, for any other need that I had for water. And at first, I experienced that as a huge inconvenience, even a hardship, until I stopped and reflected on the fact that the vast majority of people living all around me had it much more difficult than I had it. Most of the women around me would type five-gallon jerry cans and go to the lake. We lived on the northern tip of Lake Tanganyika, and they would fill their jerry can from the lake with water. Or they would go to a public watering uh, faucet and fill their buckets or their cans with water. And then they would carry that water back to their homes. And they also used that water for cooking, for cleaning, and for any other need that they had for water. So rather than seeing what I was experiencing as a hardship, I reframed it and began to look at it in a different way. And began to see how fortunate I was that all I had to do was turn on the faucet. I didn't have to carry the water anywhere. I had a huge bathtub that I could fill with water and it was right there in my home available for me to use. You know, people who um, have water take it for granted that it's always been available. But if you look, just look back in history, most people in the world have not had running water in their homes. It's only been in the last hundred years that people in high-income countries have had running water in their homes. In 1920, only 2% of the homes in the United States had running water and electricity. So this is a fairly new convenience that we have that's so easy for us to take for granted. I also shared with you earlier that Dr. Bellasilo got malaria twice during the month of May before he got COVID-19 and that although he treated the malaria, he wasn't able to fight off COVID-19. Most missionaries are accustomed to living with infectious diseases. Malaria is common. So is tuberculosis, their dengue fever, many other things that missionaries have become accustomed to living with. And they don't fear it because we have medications, we have ways of treating most of these infectious diseases. I read a book recently entitled The Limits of Medicine. The author made a statement that I found very interesting. He said, we humans have lived with infectious diseases. Indeed, the limits of our lives have been defined by disease, almost from the beginning of recorded history. The author pointed out that prior to 1800, the average life expectancy around the world was around 30. And that the reason that it was so low was because of infectious diseases. 25% of children died in childbirth. Another 25% died before they became adults. Only 10% of people lived to the age of 60. He said that people lived with the constant presence of death. Death was common. Things are different today because we ha have ways of treated, treating infectious diseases. I found that very interesting. And as you look at the diseases that ravaged humanity throughout history, experts tell us that malaria 
is the biggest killer, and it's still a big killer in many countries around the world today, followed by tuberculosis. Smallpox was also a huge killer. They said that 80% of those who got smallpox died from it. The plague, when it swept through Europe in the mid-1300s, is estimated that between a third and a half of the population of Europe died. At times, whole villages were wiped out. So, and, and the plague continued to resurface in Europe for centuries after that. And today, we're dealing with a global pandemic, and it, the, the impact is devastating. And, and it's something that's unprecedented in any of our lifetimes. But as we look back in history, we can see that as a race, we have dealt with infectious diseases throughout history. Today, as we look at a map showing the average life expectancy around the world, it's far above 80. Even in Africa and parts of Asia, where it's lower than other parts of the world, it's far above 30 at this time. The life expectancy has risen all around the world because of our ability to prevent and treat infectious diseases. The scriptures tell us to consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory is clothed like one of these. Even the scriptures encourage us to look around us, to compare our situation with that of what's around us, and to take courage that we can cope with the challenges that we are currently facing. So our first step in coping with the challenges that are an inherent part of life is accepting the reality that we are living in a fallen world and that there are hardships and challenges. The second step is reframing them within a broader context, looking around us and looking before us to see how others are dealing with similar situations. And then the third step is to identify and leverage the resources that we have available to us to cope with these challenges. What are the resources that we have available to us to help us deal with the challenges that are an inherent part of our lives in this fallen world? One of the first ones that comes to my mind are the intellectual resources that we have. The scientific method that is available to us today to understand how to treat infectious diseases, to understand how to deal with various problems that we deal with in life. We have books available to us. We have the internet that we can do searches to find out the information that we need, not just related to COVID-19, but to any problem that we're facing. We can just look it up and get information from around the world on how to deal with that problem. I have a picture of the J.N. Andrews statue in front of Andrews University here, and each of them have masks on. We know now that wearing masks helps prevent the spread of the virus, and that's important. Also, I have a picture of my granddaughters wearing their mask and their little dolls. They're things that we can do. We don't have to guess at how the, the virus is spread. We know how it's spread now, and we know things that we can do to help slow the spread of the virus. We also have material resources, food, water, shelter, transportation, communication, electricity, and healthcare. All of these things are available to us to use to solve the problems that we face, the challenges that we face in life. 
but I think our most valuable resources are spiritual resources. Ellen White says that prayer is the key that unlocks the storehouses of heaven. Prayer is our most valuable resource. Also, we have the Word of God, and in God's Word, we can find precious promises that we can claim and use in times of need. And Jesus invites us to come freely and boldly before the throne of grace and to ask for what we need. We also have the church or the body of Christ, the fellowship of believers. We can rely on each other during times of need. And the missionary care team, we are a resource to you as well. Feel free to contact any one of us if you are facing challenges that you need support with. And I believe that as we employ these three steps, first, acknowledging that life is difficult, there are challenges, and then reframing those challenges within a broader context, and then identifying and leveraging the resources that we have available to us, including our team, that we can incorporate the truths of Scripture into our lives. As 2 Corinthians 4, 8 says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. May God bless you as you deal with the challenges that you are currently facing in life. Special thanks to Dr. Ann Hamill for this timely support and coping strategies. Friends, if you know someone who you feel would appreciate this message, please send them a link to this podcast episode or to the original video on the IWM website. It just might be what that person or family need to hear. To conclude, let me remind you that in less than a week, next Thursday, in fact, October 15th, we are having our first live event this fall. Ronald Kuhn, our very own IWM Associate Director, hosts Robert and Audrey Falkenberg, who serve in Hong Kong, as well as Yago and Rosian Alonso, who serve in the Middle East. Together, they will discuss why and how missionaries should treat their very own families and homes as a mission field. Don't miss meeting with us next Thursday. Find the registration link in the show notes or simply go to iwm.adventist.org forward slash webinars. And for now, let me say my usual. I'm your host, Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.